0: Welcome to the Sum Show Podcast, where we talk to some issues finest about martial arts, training, and life's smaller questions. In this conversation, we talk to our benevolent overlord, Sensei Gordon, about what he learned from a year-long cross-country trip with his family, and the hardest thing about being a leader, and a belief in each other as a community. This conversation reminds me of an African proverb, which says that, If you want to go quickly, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Uh, What brought you to Atlanta? Uh,
1: I was born here. Oh, really? Yeah, I've been in Atlanta all my life. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, my my mother was from St. Louis. My father was from New York, but they... Mm -hmm. And they got married and, and lived in St. Louis for a while. And then they moved to Atlanta um, in the 50s. And uh, mm. yeah, so I've been here all my life. The only time I've lived outside of Atlanta was when I was uh, in college. I went to college in Virginia. Mm. Um, but otherwise, I've been here.
0: How, how would you like growing up in Atlanta? Um,
1: my life was pretty. I don't know i guess it, i mean it was it wasn't too dramatic uh mm-hmm. uh you know up until um at least till i was you know 11 years old or so um yeah. that then my my parents got divorced and then that that was a dramatic time for the next few years after that but um as far as just you know family life you know we lived in a, in, a nice little house in the suburbs and uh uh it was it was fine
0: yeah was it hard for you when they to deal with their divorce at time
1: yeah <laughs> yeah that was that was a that was a lot um there was that was a lot you know divorce was tough yeah. and then all kinds of you know my my parents had uh a lot of uh animosity towards each other, mm-hmm. and so the years after that were really difficult to deal mm-hmm.
0: with and you know. and I guess uh how so how did you deal with it like, did you find a way to maybe cope with it somehow like-
1: mm. yeah you know it's it's a it's a great question and um and and I probably should spend a lot of time in therapy talking to somebody about that <laughs> <laughs> I would probably learn a lot of things about myself if I did that um, mm-hmm. uh, but um and i and and I mean that sincerely the, little bit that I have sort of explored that it's uh, it's there's a, I think there's a lot to uncover but um you know I, th- I think uh in general that um I'm a fairly you know reserved kind of a person sometimes i say I'm introverted I, I don't know if that's an accurate description or not but um kind of going back to that not being a salesman sort of guy Mm -hmm. Uh, and i I think maybe some of that might have come from some of the difficult times back when my parents got divorced and all the all the things that kind of had to live through at that time um that that affected me so
2: how did i cope you know there was
1: probably a lot of um of of going quiet Mm. in terms of coping um and uh um, uh, uh, staying out of the line of fire. <laughs> oh god! <gotcha. laughs> when things were rough, you know that kind of thing. All right. right. Uh, so um, yeah.
0: Mm. I, I guess would... Okay. Okay. So staying quiet, does it does it mean that you don't express your feelings and like stuff over time? And I try to like con- contain the feelings, like maybe like emotions and stuff like that.
1: that
2: mm-hmm. would, huh?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's it, Yeah, okay. I, I'm not. A, um, I'm not a very emotional person on the outside. You're not. Do You not think? <laughs> <laughs> I think. Uh, no, I mean, I. Yeah, I think uh, at least that's how I view myself. I see. I see.
0: I see. And yeah.
1: I, you know, I, I I think most people view me as 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 fairly steady and under control. Mm-hmm. You know. If that's not true then <laughs> feel free to tell me but that's that's kind of how i i think that's sort of the persona that i cultivated and put out there most of the time
0: i see yeah i mean personally for me i'm i can i can kind of relay a little bit because uh i guess uh any emotional wise almost like from growing chinese culture like any my parents we don't we don't really say anything to each other right we don't really say I love you, right? But yeah. we only say, Oh, uh, have you eaten? You know? <laughs> 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 stuff like that, right? Yeah. You know? right. But anyway, so we, we communicate differently, but that's why that's why I and it's in Chinese, in and it's in Chinese language I have a hard time expressing my emotions and stuff like that. Right? In, oh really. I'm gonna leave I'm I'm a little bit better in English, but still <laughs> try to express my emotions is always have been hard for me. Yeah.
1: Oh interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That is, that's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think I can I can relate to the I've I've thought about this many times that how when I was young and my relationship with my parents and um, you know, even not thinking about all the divorce and all those things but when when things were good that, you know, I had a fairly, I I would think, kind of normal relationship with my parents and got along with them okay when I was little and um, but I don't ever remember having any deep emotional philosophical
2: Mm.
1: kind of conversations with them in any way you know it was sort of more more surface level stuff Mm. kind of like what you're talking about you know
2: did
1: you eat are you cold (laughs) um and, and the reason i find that interesting is that i compare that to how it is with my kids now and and i feel like um that the relationship I have with them is a lot. There's a lot more depth mm-hmm. to it than uh, what I had with my parents.
0: So, so what kind of conversation you try to have uh, with your kids, like Alex and Anna?
1: Well, you know, I try to talk to them, um, especially as they get older. The older they get, the more I, I, I try to really enjoy talking to them. Mm. more like equals than like kids. Yeah. Um, uh, they're both, you know, I, I think they're both wonderful people and smart and all that and I really enjoy talking to them. Mm. Not just like goofing around parent stuff, but just I, I legitimately enjoy talking to them and hearing what they have to say.
2: Yeah.
1: And um, and so I, I try to be, uh, I try to be open and, and able to have real conversations and keep lines, lines of communication open with them. Mm-hmm. So that when there's something important to talk about that I'm there and they can talk to me about it um, uh, without it being excessively difficult, yeah. you know, without it, I, I don't want them to be afraid to talk to me about something that's difficult. And, um, so I mean, I'm not always perfect at creating that environment, <laughs> but I've tried you know and and, <laughs> and, I, and I think it's it's, it's it's paid off
2: in a lot of ways
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah, and yeah, that's good so now if you if you could not give credit or thanks to a person in your life that you don't give enough credit or thanks to who that be
1: hmm. That's a tough one. Um, Who would I give more credit to? You know, I'll tell you one thing that's funny that I've thought about is that, um, and this might be a a little bit of an odd answer to that question, but uh, thinking about my mother and, um, you know, without getting into a lot of detail, my mother and I always had a very strained, strained, relationship lot of great relationship for a long long time
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and she passed away a few years ago um but um something that i've thought about in in recent years was just kind of relating uh sort of the attitudes that she had towards me as a kid and how in what ways they're similar to how i have raised my kids and i mean is that things like when i was when i was young i was always expected to get good grades that mm-hmm. kind of thing to do well in school and um and uh, be smart you know and uh i had that always had that same approach and attitude towards my kids mm-hmm. of expecting them to do well academically um to to uh Take advantage of the gifts that they have intellectually. Yeah. You know, smart kids and, and and always wanting them to to do well because they are capable of doing well. Mm-hmm. And you know, just something that recently I have thought about. You know, I like having that sort of approach um, probably comes from getting that from my mother. You know, <laughs> as a kid growing up, in that kind of expectation of that that was going to do well like mm-hmm. it was it just was expected you know mm-hmm. um and so you know so I so no matter what all the other stuff that happened over the years you know I, I can owe her a, a debt of gratitude for that For doing yeah. that in me when I was young
0: mm-hmm. well she did she know like Did she know value education that's why she wants you to do well in school no did she? Yeah. yeah okay mm-hmm. yeah Yeah. okay that makes sense yeah sounds good and what was the one thing that you were very afraid of doing but you did it anyway
2: Hmm.
1: um so there was uh yeah I, i i'm not sure if you know about this the 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 RV trip that my family and I took around the country a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Do you know about that?
0: I think you mentioned it, but I I didn't know a lot of details. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, that was, um, let's see, we, we left that was in 2013. Mm. Um, we went, so in a nutshell, we, we, we bought an RV and we, uh, Packed up our house and rented out our house, and and me and my wife and two kids and the dog got in the RV and drove around the country for a year. Wow!
0: Um,
1: yeah, and uh, uh, it was um, it, it was an amazing experience. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, you asked me was something that that was that was scary. That was scary to do that um, uh-huh. to because it was a a, a huge. Life change, you know, mm-hmm. to, to make that commitment to do it. Um,
0: Especially with your family, right?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, just changing everything. You know, luckily, I, because I do computer work, I could work while we were on the road. So I was fortunate to be able to do that. Yeah. But, you know, having to, you know, get so- out our house and pack everything up and buy this gigantic, you know, RV and figure out. You know, i've never used one before lived in one driven one before so figuring all that out in the big truck to, to tow it around and just all everything that was involved in that was just just all new just so,
0: yeah what what triggered that decision to do that for you like what caused you to decide to do that uh
1: well it was something that that nancy sort of started Thinking about and talking about and saying it was something she was interested in and uh she mentioned it a couple times and i was kind of like yeah okay <laughs> and then uh uh just you know over the course of a few years you know we would talk about it and think about it and i got more and more interested in the idea and excited about it and then we started you know sort of planning out what kind of a uh, a route we could take around the country, and that got more and more interested, and and uh, looking started looking at the actual RVs, and that's pretty cool once you start looking at them and seeing what's possible and all that. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, it just it just kind of built over time mm. to something that was an exciting adventure.
0: Yeah, yeah. So for a year, now what what have you learned? What did you learn from that experience?
1: Oh gosh. I mean, a lot. Um, so, uh, I mean, you know, first, just sort of surface level stuff is just seeing so much of the country that I yeah. had never seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, I never spent a lot of time out west, and got to spend a lot of time, you know, uh, uh, in the desert and in the northwest and you know, just all just all over the place, you know, uh, yeah. and so just just loved being able to see the different parts of the country and being mm-hmm. outside and going and hiking you know and we spent a lot of time in national parks all over the place gotcha. so uh you know whether it was yellowstone or glacier national park or big bend national park in texas or you know mm-hmm. just all over we went to so many uh and just seeing all the, the just being in nature and and uh, just seeing all the animals that you only normally see on TV and not like yeah. of stuff. It was just so much fun. You
0: know, did you, did you meet a lot of people along the way?
1: Um, so we, so, so I guess it's sort of yes and no. I mean, there's, uh, because we moved around a lot, so we didn't hmm. get a chance to really like make any significant kind of friends on the road yeah. term in any way. But, um, The the one thing about staying in RV parks is, again, it's kind of similar again to that sort of uh, community feel, like a dojo or theater kind of thing I was talking about before, where people who, when you when you pull into an RV park, everybody's friendly and Mm -hmm. uh, eager to give you a hand. You know, Mm -hmm. like one time we had a flat tire, you know, at the RV park, and like you know, there were there's a dozen guys who are there like trying to help out you know to yeah. fix the tire and help out, you know just that kind of a thing just a very welcoming open sort of community thing of people who do that oh. so it was always it was always nice to it's always easy to find someone to chat with you know
2: mm-hmm. um, and
1: and uh, like people who are in in the national parks are always those are people who are vacationing usually you yeah. know so people are having a good time and they're out in nature and Okay. Uh, and generally in good moves
0: Is that isn't that a favorite moment around that uh in that year? Do you have a favorite night like, memory?
1: Um, hmm. a, f- a favorite memory. I I don't gosh, that's that's hard. But there um mm-hmm. there was one of my favorite memories, and this is going to be weird because it doesn't it it, it doesn't really have that much to do with the traveling
2: mm. but
1: um was had to do with my son Alex and, <laughs> and that he uh you know he was we went on that trip that was his fifth grade year,
2: yeah
1: you know, in school and um he he wasn't uh, like at, at first he wasn't super excited about going on the trip, yeah. And uh and he would um you know, he would kind of get grumpy, you know, if we wanted to go on a hike and be like, oh, another hike <laughs> sometimes, you know. Yeah. He was younger and, and he could be that way. Um and I remember distinctly this one day we were up in Washington State and we had gone and now I can't remember the name of the place. Uh, but there's a, there's a spot at the the very Northwest corner of the United States. You know, that's, it's kind of claim to fame. It's the Northwest corner of the United States in Washington. And we went to this place and we, you know, we drove there and we, it took a, it took an hour or so from wherever we were staying to drive to this place. And then we got out and we did this hike down through the woods at the coast and Then ended up like right on the shoreline on this like platform that was a couple hundred feet up over the ocean, and it was just beautiful. You know, looking out over the Pacific Ocean, and Mm -hmm. just a really cool little hike.
2: Yeah,
1: um, and just a beautiful day. It was just really neat. You could see seals out in the water, you know, swimming around and stuff like that. It was really cool. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, It wasn't like a long hike or anything. It's just you know, just a nice little thing. And we got back. We went back to the car.
2: You know, we've been
1: out doing stuff for a few hours now, and Nance and I were talking about there's this, you know, we've been reading in this book. Yeah. There was this really cool beach that was not far. It was like a couple hours away or an hour away, and there was a really great, like, four-mile hike that you could you know, park and hike and get to this beach because it was kind of in a secluded place. And we're like, this sounds really cool. I'd really like to check this out and um and i was thinking in the back of my head like oh man alex is never gonna want to do this like we've already (laughs) driven a long way and went on this one little hike and spent a bunch of time we've done all this stuff and there's i I was just dreading the idea of saying hey you want to do this Anna wasn't with us that day Uh and so it was just the three of us and um and so I just distinctly remember we're in the car, we're starting to drive. And I'm like, hey, Alex, we were thinking about going to this cool beach. You know, it's like an hour away and it's going to be like a four-mile hike down to this cool, really cool beach. Mm. What do you think? And he's like, sounds great. <laughs> and I was like, what? I didn't say anything. I was like, what? Seriously? It sounds great? Oh, my God. I was so happy inside. I didn't say but I was so happy because it was like during that, at that point in the trip, like something in him had sort of changed. Mm. He had gone from being sort of resistant of all the things we were doing to being excited about all the things we were doing. Mm. And I was like, it was so great. It made me so happy that he was excited to to do this other thing that was going to take hours and hours and lots of walking and stuff.
0: Do you have any suspicion on what caused him to change?
1: <laughs> I do, kind of, yeah. but I, 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 think I probably shouldn't say. <laughs>
0: okay, all right, that's good. All right, that's good. Let's keep it a mystery. <laughs> yeah.
1: I don't want to embarrass him. Too much.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. We can. We, I will ask him later in person in the future. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what's now? I mean. To being family on trade across the country for a year I mean what's the is do you have a least favorite moment in in there because sometimes you know people get into conflict and stuff or maybe uh, just something uh, uh, weird things happen and stuff right do you have a yeah. least favorite moment
1: yeah um, I mean you know there was there was some you know, anytime you're traveling with teenagers, there there can be some difficult
2: times. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: So we had some difficult, challenging mm-hmm. moments around that, um, but um, but you know the the uh, overall we did pretty darn well as a family. You know, mm-hmm. not not wanting to kill each other. You know, being stuck in a four hundred square foot. Yeah. rv for a year you know which is pretty yeah. cool um the uh yeah man i remember having you know getting getting a, having a tire blowout on on the expressway outside of las vegas mm. you know and being broken down on the side of the road that was pretty miserable you know and uh-huh. um, it's like you know the, it was one of the tires that was actually on the we had a what's called a fifth wheel which is like a, a a big trailer, you know, not one of the bus type RVs.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. And so, you know, one of the tires on that had blown out. And when those things blow out and you're going fast, they can, like, just shred into pieces and pieces fly all over the place. And, like, the the pieces of the tire had like, damaged the, the the propane mines that would run into from the propane tanks into the RV. Yeah. And so, you know, it's not like just having a flat tire. There was a bunch of other damage and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So it was a big pain, you know. Yeah. <laughs>
2: gotcha.
1: but it was, you know, it was one of those moments that was, um, you know, I, I wasn't really into mindfulness at the time, but I think I had a mindful moment when all that was going on. which was sitting on the side of the road waiting for, you know, a tow truck to come and, you know, tow the RV back to get it fixed. And uh just realizing that you know what? Yeah, it, it really sucks to be on the side of the road with a flat tire. But, you know, we're in Nevada. <laughs> uh, we're going to we know uh, we were I think it was we were on our way from Las Vegas to to uh where are we headed towards the Grand Canyon or something and um Vegas. <laughs> Yeah, we, we were outside. We were we weren't in the cities. So we had already done Vegas, and it was like you yeah, know, yeah. Look at what this cool. What where we were and where we were going. This is really awesome. And you know what, the the our, the, the, the tire is going to get fixed. Yeah. You know the gas line is going to get repaired. It's going to be a pain in the butt, but you know it's going to be fine. It's yeah. nothing to really get upset about. You know it just is what it is.
2: You know it's going to be
1: all right. Yeah. So. You know, I think there were moments like that where I learned to to just to accept the challenges that were going on and just take them in stride and not love, not let them bother me.
2: Oh,
0: nice, they nice. might
2: have otherwise.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you were you guys were having an adventure, right? So Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. what happens when you're having an adventure, things happen.
1: <laughs> that's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. It's like I um I, there's a there was a little saying that I kept saying to myself, and kind of every day when we were out there, and because every day you have the decision to make. All right, where wherever we were that week, you know, mm-hmm. and then on any given day, are we going to go and try and explore this place, or go on this hike, or go and check out this town, or whatever we might want to do that day, mm-hmm. and. um and it was, you know, it's always easy to say, ah, nah, I just want to like <laughs> hang out and watch TV or do nothing that day. Yeah. And um and the, 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 the thing that I would say to myself, and it sounds stupid, but um was do something and something will happen. Mm. And it it's just something that uh, sort of came to me during the trip that uh, the most important thing was was getting out the door mm, and, yeah. go and doing something. Mm.
2: Um,
1: because there were so many times that we would go to do something and even if it, I mean, sure, if you're going to Yellowstone National Park to see Old Faithful and watch the guy, like you expect that to be yeah. awesome, you know, and if it's not awesome, you'll be disappointed. But just being in some little town and driving through some neighborhood and coming a- upon a beautiful scene of some kind, you know, some 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 little trail or some you know beautiful house or meeting some person at a pizza joint or whatever. Yeah. Just just those little moments uh, were just as great, and yeah. those little moments wouldn't have happened without that sort of spirit of adventure, you know, but just yeah. being willing to get out and just do, do something. something. Yeah. If you do something, something will happen.
0: All right, I that.
1: And when something happens, then life's interesting. You yeah. have something to talk about. Yeah. Even if it's a bad thing. like That's another thing I, I realized that um, the best thing about bad things happening is that bad things make good stories.
0: Mm, yeah. <laughs>
1: Like, you know, when you're talking to somebody, like, if you ask me, how am I doing? And I say, I'm doing good. Mm -hmm. That's boring. I mean, that's fine. Like, you're not, I mean, you're happy that I'm doing good. But if you say, how am I doing? I said, man, I'm having a terrible day. (laughs) Like, that's a lot more interesting, right? Because you probably ask me, what's wrong? What happened to you? So Mm -hmm. bad stories are a lot more interesting Mm -hmm. than good stories, than when everything goes right. So I would think about that at times, like, like when the, you know, the RV had the flat tires, like, well, this will be a good story. And here, see, it turned out, I've, I told you the story here years later. Yeah, the exactly. bad thing happening makes for a good story.
0: Hmm. Nice. Nice. Awesome. All right. And do something, something will happen. All right. right. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> all right. All right. So, um, Last question regarding this. So are you planning the next adventure and like maybe do a Grand Europe tour or something like that? <laughs> are we <you> through Europe? <laughs> oh man, that would be pretty cool. You guys planning yeah. anything like that? We, don't,
1: we don't have a plan. Uh, Nancy always talks about how she wants to do it again once the, when the kids are grown and and out, you know? Uh-huh. So maybe we will one of these days. Awesome. Okay, we, had, we had our one shot to drag the kids on the road with us for a year. Yeah. away from their friends and all that kind of stuff so we couldn't do that again but uh, <laughs> but uh you know once they're away
0: yeah
1: it, it might happen again sometime like that
0: yeah nice 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 sounds good sounds good so um was there a moment in your life that you feel that ever felt that you were lost
1: i think um i think i've never really felt lost Hmm. And I think that, in some ways, that's a bad thing.
0: Hmm. Why? Um, why is that?
1: <laughs> yeah, I know that's that's a strange answer. Um, so I think that uh, the the story about the going on the RV trip that was a that was a time when I took. I say I took, or we did, the whole family, took control of our lives and changed things in a dramatic way um, because of something that we wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, what I have realized is that for me, that hasn't happened many times in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, That growing up uh it, it's been very easy to go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing in sort of you know, sort of easy pattern. Um meaning go to high school, get good grades, go to college, get a job, meet a girl, get married, buy a house, have kids, mm. et etc et cetera. Just kind of that, that sort of typical path. And there's nothing wrong with that path, but but the um the thing that I think about is that, uh, is how easily it's been easy it's been for me to sort of go from one step to the next along that path without having to be conscious about it.
2: Mm. And the,
1: thing, they, the things just happened. Yeah, and we're not saying they're bad things in any way, but the thi- all these things just happened. Yeah, yeah. And and contrasting that with that that year off of traveling around where. Yeah, you know, that was that was getting off of that path in a big mm-hmm. way, just for a year. But it was a big detour from that path. Mm-hmm. And so, I think, you know, going back to your question of have I ever felt lost, um, I, 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 I think the answer is not probably not. Mm-hmm. But but that's not necessarily a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some more feelings of being lost and 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 changing direction con- consciously, I think would probably be a good thing.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, similar to me, kind of in a way where I have, I I mean, only recently I think I spoke to you about it. I feel like I'm kind of in a a little bit lost in a way. Like I I mean, going through life, I have been like as you like go to a point A to point B, right? And then sometimes very almost like unconsciously making the decisions going one uh, graduate college graduate school and stuff like that so mm-hmm. so right now that's why I, and right now i kind of try to transition a little bit and then that's why i try to experiment a bit more and i do different things like like doing a podcast and all the other stuff yeah
1: mm-hmm. so sure yeah, yeah yeah absolutely yeah i think you understand exactly what i'm talking about yeah
2: Yeah.
1: and it's it's it certainly is easier when you're younger you Yeah. Know,
2: mm-hmm.
0: to
1: to change your path.
2: Yeah.
0: And, and,
1: yeah. To, and to do things like that. So I yeah. I think it's great that you are.
0: Yeah. So sounds good. So yeah, next uh next question is uh what's the saddest moment in your life?
1: Hmm. Probably when my father died.
2: Hmm. Yeah,
1: he was uh I was 24 years old and um, and he had a heart attack and he passed yeah. away. Mm.
0: Uh,
1: so it was so, very sudden,
0: right? So now it was very, yeah, yeah,
1: it was sudden. I mean, he had had some health issues, but it was, you know, it, but yes, it was. It was sudden. Yeah. So, yeah, that 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 is probably the saddest time. Mm. Yeah. That I can think of although i I do always whenever I think about that I think about the fact that I had just um I had just started kind of my first real job uh, you know out of college first job as a computer programmer um it was a cool job that I had gotten and um i let's see I started it probably I don't know less than a month, I think, before he passed away. Um, and so about uh, the last time I talked to him before he died um, was a, about a week before he died. And we talked and you know, he asked me uh, you know, about the job and how it was going. And, mm. and I remember distinctly telling him that I was really happy mm. um, and that I felt like, that everything in my life that I had done had had led me to that point, of getting this great job,
2: mm.
1: and uh, and and I was really satisfied with that, and um, and you know he was happy to hear that, of course, yeah. and yeah. and so it's always made me really happy that that was the last conversation I had with him. Was talking mm. about that.
0: what's the best lesson that he taught you?
2: Mm.
1: Um, wow. I think, um, I think the, the, the best thing that he taught me was that, was just how, how to, how to interact with people in a sincere way. Mm. You know, how to, how to be, um. How to be someone that other people want to be around. Mm.
2: You
1: know, I, how
0: to be. And some- I'm not
1: saying that I learned that lesson well, but at least <laughs> it gave me something to aspire to in, in a way. Ah,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, transition to martial art right now. Nice. Okay. <laughs> what brought you to martial arts?
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, my first exposure to martial arts. So, my best friend in high school was a guy named Thomas, and Thomas was uh, in, he did theater in my high school, and mm-hmm. so he kind of, we got to be good friends, and he sort of got me interested in trying out the theater thing, but the other thing about Thomas was, um, and when we met, I was a sophomore, he was a junior in high school, and mm-hmm. when we met, he was a, a black belt in Taekwondo, ah. and he, he wasn't training anymore, but he, you know, Had had done that when he was a little younger, and so uh, he used to show me some stuff, you know, you know, some cool moves from time to time. Yeah. Um, And what was kind of neat is like when I was younger, before I knew him, I had done some fencing, Mm. Um, and so like I would show him some fencing stuff, and he thought that was really cool, and he would show me some karate, and that was really cool, and um, and so that was that was my first exposure to it, you know. Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
1: I always remember, uh, <laughs> I always remember thinking, so he, he was a very athletic guy, and he would do what, what we would call a jump spinning reverse fessing kick.
2: Yeah. Right?
1: yeah. and um, And I just remember seeing him do that and being like, just so amazed and yeah. like, thinking... If you can do that, like you don't need to know any other karate, right? <laughs> so obviously that's dumb, but um, but that's what I just remember because it was such an impressive technique yeah. that could do. <laughs>
2: but,
1: uh But but he got me. He introduced me to karate, and and um, when I was when I graduated high school, the summer between high school and and college. Uh, I well, no, back so before kind of during my a little bit during my senior year of high school I, I decided to go and take some classes so I, I found this guy who was teaching Shotokan, as a matter of fact mm-hmm. um, at some community center near where I lived and I signed up for these for taking classes from the guy and um, I liked the karate I did not like the guy he was like <laughs> a just Really mean, like I see. kind of, kind of like Cobra Kai, mean sense <laughs> kind of thing, you know. Okay. Um, I think it was from Iran or something, so you was okay. like very different from you know Cobra Kai, but still he had that sort of like mean, strict, like uh, yeah. attitude. And I, after doing that for a few months, I'm like, I don't like this. And, yeah. But then some uh, somebody opened up a Taekwondo school down the street from my house
2: mm-hmm. and i
1: like went in there and talked to the guy i had a yellow i got a yellow belt from from mm-hmm. the Shotokan place and then i went down to the to the um taekwondo school and met with the guy and he just opened up and he was like yeah come on in and he let me wear my yellow belt and not work out with the white belt so that was cool and uh, so I, I trained with him just for that whole summer before college and ended up getting a green belt in taekwondo I think I had two blue stripes if I'm not mistaken (laughs) and uh and that was a lot of fun you know so I really enjoyed that and um you know I would go down there like four or five times a week you know and train over the summer and then I went off to college and um just you know I think I I checked out one or two of the martial arts clubs at college once or twice and just I don't know. I, I just wasn't into it. Yeah, I was busy doing other things or whatever, and for whatever reason, I stopped. Didn't do anything else. Mm-hmm. So I didn't. I didn't do any martial arts after that until I started doing kung nu which was uh, when I was 29. So probably half of I don't know. well uh, you know I don't know 10, 12 years somewhere in that one.
0: Yeah. When When did you? Why did you decide to?
1: canoe. Well, so uh it's Mark Gallen's fault.
0: Oh really? <laughs> Always, right? <laughs> Always.
1: Blame him. Yeah. Uh so what what happened was that um so my wife Nancy and I both knew Mark. Right. right? So um Mark was involved, in, you know, has been involved in, in theater in Atlanta for a long time. My mm-hmm. yeah. wife was involved in, in this theater back when I met her um, mm-hmm. on stage Atlanta. Uh, and so uh, Nancy and Mark were were pretty good friends from the theater. And I knew Mark a little bit from,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, events and going down to the theater and stuff. like I, You know, so... Anyway, um, one day Nancy came home from work and she said, um, Mark Ellen told me about this dojo uh, and it sounds pretty cool and I think I want to try it out. And I said, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I was immediately just like, yes, because I, you know, remembered back in the day of doing karate and how I liked it. Yeah. Um, I had been, you know, working this job and working really hard and lots of hours. And like, this sounds like a great, mm. you know, uh, alternative thing to do. And, yeah. You know, um, so, yeah, so we, you know, uh, so Nancy actually went to the dojo and she could tell an interesting story about her first time going to the dojo just to like see the place and, it so happened that O Sensei was there teaching a seminar to black belts and the dojo. O sensei? O sensei was oh, wow. there at, at some at the old dojo and, and like she uh you know, he dragged her out onto the floor and all this kind of stuff and she was like, Ah, I didn't know what was going on. And of course Master Mary was there and stuff. But uh yeah, so we you know we that it was probably like uh you know, it was probably November, December of uh, 1994, mm-hmm. and so we started together in the white belt class um, in January of 1995. So it was it was a month or so before the next class started.
0: Oh, okay. nice! Yeah. yeah. Do you remember yeah. your Do you remember your like, first day of class? Uh, I
1: first time in the dojo i kind of do um yeah i I mean i remember uh we had a a big group It was like 14 or 15 of us in my life Uh, there was a big group um and uh and you know it was and everybody was just really nice you know i remember all that Uh, and i remember you know we did did class and and uh I remember feeling pretty good about being able to do stuff, you know, because mm-hmm. I like I knew I remembered how to, you know, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I remembered, you know, I could. Everybody thought when I was a, you know, first lower ranks so that I had really good kicks. You know, oh, was, taekwondo, because taekwondo. I had done some, you know, Taekwondo before, you know, so I like they weren't new to me. Like I kind of knew how to do a front snap kick, and you know?
2: yeah,
1: yeah, and so, um, so I remember feeling kind of cool that I could like already do a fun
2: snap. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Sounds good. And yeah. then, what's, like, as you're training on, like, what keep you in some issue? What you keep, what motivate you to keep training?
1: Hmm. So, to me, the, the especially yeah. at lower ranks, the, mm. the, the, what always kept me coming back was just a constant challenge constant personal challenge to improve Mm. um there was uh it's just every day going into the dojo uh every class just working out hard and feeling like um like i was getting better every time every Mm -hmm. time i trained i got better um Mm -hmm. it wasn't about rank rank never really mattered that much to me but it was just uh the rank was just a part of the process, yeah. um, mm-hmm. sort of a measuring stick. But um, I enjoyed the fact that I, that I could do it and do it well, at least I thought I could do it well, and, um, and keep getting better and keep getting yeah. better and better. You know, that, that kept me motivated so much, uh, especially.
2: Yeah, yeah. Time.
0: that makes sense to me because uh, I'm kind of in similar similar way. Because uh, I'm not motivated by getting a Nobel bell, right? But I'm I'm really enjoying like get as as you say like getting better, right? Slowly getting better. Right? Yeah. yeah.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. 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 And uh, you know, I, I guess you know you, you can probably relate to this. Being like, you're an athletic guy. I'm I'm not any kind of a great athlete, but for whatever reason, um, doing this stuff just has always felt like it worked well for my body. You know, mm-hmm. like the stuff we do is stuff I could do,
2: mm, um, yeah.
1: and yeah, for whatever reason, you know, I'm never yeah. a good basketball player. You know, but <laughs> I could, you know, punch and kick pretty well. Um, exactly. So it always felt like a good fit that way. Yeah, yeah. We and that's you know, I. I that made it certainly made it easier to keep coming back day after day, and week after week. You know, when I could feel like I was doing it well, I've always had so much respect for people who come into the dojo who are not physically coordinated, mm. um, and people who just, even if they are physically coordinated, just it maybe they're good at basketball but not good at Friday. You know, things mm-hmm. just don't click well. And the people who come in and have real challenges in, you know, doing a decent front snap.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um when those people keep at it, stick mm-hmm. around and keep going, keep going, keep going, even though it takes them three times longer than you know, what it took me to, to do it. Um th- those people are inspiring to me. Uh-huh. Those people I have huge respect, you know, even though they, they may not be as good as the person next to you on the technique like i'll still give them more credit yeah, yeah. the that actually that's a
0: that's a very very good point i'm i'm really glad i'm I'm really glad they talk about it because uh i guess now i'm gonna see my at the students are gonna be teaching in the future very very differently right mm-hmm. like, all, all time i think i guess i never see it that way right actually yeah. the, the, it's easy, the people now who really good at martial arts, maybe you see some students are very, very talented, you know, sometimes, I mean, naturally, our people, like maybe me as well, naturally, like, maybe focus on them instead of focus on the other students, right? Yeah. And, and based on what you say, it's almost like, that's almost like uh, not the correct way to do it, right? Because, uh, you know, it's easy for them, so they will keep doing it, right? But actually, the people now are hard having a harder time, struggle, those are the ones that you actually need to pay more respect because they, they're struggling, but they're still sticking with it. Right.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah, paying them more respect. I think yeah. that's a good way to put it. Yeah. And, you know, you don't have to, you can still teach a class that will challenge the, the, the more athletic ones, yeah. you know, yeah. the more advanced ones.
2: Yeah.
1: But understanding that the ones who are not getting it, um, are you know even even more special you know yeah, and, right. and they deserve the even if you don't slow down the class for them but it's still to give them the um sort of compassion to understand where they're coming from and, and yeah, allow yeah. them to take more time to get where they need to go
0: yeah yeah, yeah it took
1: you, me a long time i remember it as a, when i was in a new black belt uh, and was started teaching that it it took me a while to understand that um, and this sort of sounds conceited and it's not meant that way but is that it took me a long time to understand that other people aren't necessarily going to learn Akata as fast as I did.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um or this least what I perceived is how quickly I yeah. and, you know I remember thinking about that with Pinon too I think I was teaching Pinon too this some students and remembered, and it suddenly dawned on me like just because i learned it in you know two weeks doesn't mean they should learn it in two weeks yeah it is. yeah and yeah. um, everybody's different yeah and i, and I had to because I, I would get frustrated with students sometimes because i would think that they weren't learning fast enough yeah because i was like i know i did this Pretty quickly. Why aren't you doing this pretty quick? You know, I didn't say that to him, but that's what I thought.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so it took me a while to realize, like, no, that's the wrong way to think about it. You know, everybody's going to move at a different pace and everybody has different strengths. And mm-hmm. then it's, you know, again, more respect for the people that take longer. Right? Yeah,
0: yeah. And different people have different learning styles, right? Some are more visual, verbal, maybe some are more physical, have more, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, going through from White Belt to Black Belt, and um, like, we was, uh, I guess, were Master Mary there the whole time? Like, kind of watching you go through from White Belt to Black Belt?
1: Yeah, she was, she was there. Um, I was, I mean, she had some time where she was out because she had some health issues. Yeah. Um, yeah. Along the way. But uh, I was the last Black Belt. Ming Shu under Mary, mm. last person to get a black belt under Mary, Ming yeah. Shu. Before she um, sort of kind of retired and then moved to North Carolina for a while before mm. she passed.
2: Gotcha. Um,
1: but uh, yeah, so she was always there. Um, it's, but it was it was a lot of her and some of uh, Master Allen being mm. in charge of things too when when Mary okay. was you know out sick and things like that. He yeah. he did a lot to run the dojo back then.
0: Awesome, yeah, yeah. What what lessons did you have you I guess what's the best lesson you learned from her?
1: Hmm. Um I I remember uh one time talking to her, um and I think it was you know, it's funny, it kind of fits in with what I was talking about before with how when a when a special event happens and how um hmm. uh how how good it feels, you know, to when things go well. Mm -hmm. And I remember there was one one time with her where we, for some reason it was, was the two of us were at the dojo and and only, we were the only ones there and um, we were talking about something that I can't remember what it was, something that was going on at the dojo, something that needed to be done. Mm -hmm. Um, And she, uh, she, I think I was worried that it wasn't going to get done, something wasn't going to get done, Mm -hmm. and she it just said, "Nah, don't worry about it. Yeah, you know, this the, the the people here, this community, will step up. But uh, you know, um, they're they're people who care, <laughs> and uh, and what needs to get done is going to get done uh, because uh, we all care about it so uh, much. Uh, and uh, and and I've thought of that often, and it's because it was very true. You know, it's, uh, the, the community that we have, uh, you know, people, people make sure things get done Yeah, <laughs> get done, get done. Yeah. and all look out for each other and look out for the school. You know? mm-hmm. so, I yeah. I remember that. yeah.
0: Wow. That's a, uh, that that makes sense to me. I think I, I will agree with her as well.
1: Yeah. 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 I also remember a cool time when after I got my bike, I was training for my shodan, and she was around a little bit, not yeah. that much. Um, and uh she worked out with me one day at the dojo uh working on new one mm. and uh i don't mean, know we worked out for an hour together or something and um and it, i remember how she was how how different it was working out with her in that context as a black belt working on a kata yeah versus um a brown belt or lower rank, you know, in a regular class. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, she was like, it was, if we could, we could work on this kata and and it was, it was so much less formal. And it was, (laughs) it was so nice. Like, she would be like, oh, I like the way you did that. No, let me try that. Or, um, or, you know, or I think this is how so-and-so used to do it. I wonder, I'm not sure. Like, all of a sudden, all that, um, Sort of toughness was gone, uh. and all of a sudden it was okay to be um, more like equals. Yeah, you know, even though we weren't equals, but but more like that as just two adults who were working on a kata. Yeah, um, and uh, each with strengths and, and weaknesses, you know. Yeah. And her guard was down, and it was just really cool. It just felt special you know mm. and so um I've, I've always remembered that and uh tried to sort of emulate that sometimes
0: mm. you know, I, yeah yeah so kind of like not a formal like uh student and teacher kind of hierarchy relationship in a way it's more like two friends two martial artists try to figure things out and learn from each other almost in a way
1: yeah right yeah, well, I, yeah. So, you know, I learned 99% from her and she might have learned 1% from me. <laughs> but yeah, but it was that idea. It was that, that idea that she was, uh, she, it was, it was, you know, she was putting herself in that position of being more of an equal and that was really nice.
0: Okay. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like, if you, what's your favorite, night? Like, Kind
1: of new philosophy hmm. so hmm. one of my favorite one that kind of jumps out is from the code of ethics Um you kind of students respect all of those styles of martial arts,
2: mm-hmm.
1: just even that part of it I mean the whole self defense and truth and reason part is good too, but i like I always really like that. Kung Nu students respect all other styles of martial arts, Mm. and and I think um, to me, I always think about that philosophy and extrapolate it out outside of the dojo, outside of martial arts. Mm. I think of it as members of Kung Nu respect all other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, that that, that's what really what the lesson is. Mm. That to me, that's what I take the lesson is Mm. that that that's the nature of Kung Nu and the people in Kung Nu is to be accepting of all other people. Mm, yeah, um, And, you know, again, kind of going back to what we talked about earlier with that, that kind of, a com- being that kind of a community that, that no matter who walks in the door, you know, they're going to be welcome. Yeah. Um, and that sort of that one little phrase from that one code of ethics uh mm. Sort of embodies that to me. Right.
0: So, yeah. um, how has uh, martial art means to you changed over the years? I'm, I'm, I'm assuming mm. probably in the beginning, you know, when you wipe out, it might mean something, you know, and then maybe over time it has changed.
2: You know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, so, Uh, it's uh, in some ways it's changed and in some ways it hasn't. Um, you know, it, it, the the that personal challenge um, has always been a big part of what martial arts, my martial arts journey has been all about.
2: Mm-hmm. So as a lower
1: rank, of course, that was you know burning technique
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, as as it. As a black belt, it became more about teaching right, mm-hmm. and, and learning how to be a better teacher and challenging myself to be a better teacher.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: as head of school, it's a whole different level of challenge
2: mm.
1: of how to be that mm. successfully, how to get better at that over time. Um, and so the, that that's what... This whole journey has always been for me is just, it, just an opportunity to to improve in, in different aspects of my life you know, through that. Um, you know, punching and kicking are great. It's great exercise. It's you know, there's great self-defense aspects to it, and all those things. Um, but at the end of the day. I don't need to, I have never used my karate. You know, yeah. I don't need to punch and kick a whole lot in my day-to-day life. Yeah. Um, it's never been about that for me. Yeah. Um, and I totally understand people who get into martial arts for self-defense purposes mm-hmm. primarily, and that's great. Um, but that's not what it's ever been for me. For yeah. me, it's been a, it's a challenge of understanding Technique and what I could do and couldn't do and why, mm-hmm. and uh, and so that's the the technique and the working out um, is is great in and of itself, but it's also the sort of sort of the excuse that we have for all getting together all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. You know, I mean, it's um, it's critical you know but that's the thing that we all have in common Mm -hmm. um at the dojo in the style is that we all get together and work out Mm
2: -hmm. Um,
1: if we all got together and did pottery well that'd be okay too you know Mm -hmm. because we'd all be getting together and doing something positive and -hmm. and good Mm -hmm. right um so getting together and doing karate is wonderful i mean we all you know, we work out we get in shape we learn discipline and we, we learn so many things from working out mm-hmm. challenge ourselves um but uh the fact that we're all doing this as a community is is what is the the more important thing to me especially as time has gone by yeah so it was early on it was me learning how to do a technique
2: yeah, just now just,
1: it's about yeah. the community getting together to do a bunch of techniques yeah. and whatever that leads to, uh, know, and, and, and being a community is what's more uh, important.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So it's almost like in the beginning, you are focused on yourself, right? And then over time, it became more for about others, right? Other people. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's a great way to look
2: at it. Definitely. Yeah. Awesome. It, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So you're talking about a like successful as a head of dojo. Like how do you define that? How did you
1: define success as a head of dojo? dojo? Mm, yeah. Um, so, you know, Sung Ming-shu has been around for a long time. Um, uh, in fact, you know, we're just about at our 40-year anniversary this year, 40 years, Sun Ming-shu. This, year. in, in this year? 2021. Uh, yeah. uh, 2021. Funny, I hadn't thought about that in a while, um, you know, with the pandemic. You know, we, we talked about having, you know, a big celebration this year. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> we'll do it later in the year. That would be a great thing to do. Um, but uh, because the dojo has been around for so long, you know, that's a, that's a long, very proud tradition. Um, and it's always... Uh, it's always... a key thing that I think about um, when thinking about the future and planning for the dojo is, is to make sure that that future exists Mm -hmm. that we can be around for another 20 or 40 years. Mm -hmm. Um, That's, that's the challenge uh, and doing all the things that that need to be done so that that happens.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a responsibility that I feel strongly about. You know, that that the the school needs. I want the school to be uh, there for the next group of white belts, and the group after that, and the group after that. that you know? yeah, I, yeah, yeah, When I when my kids were still doing home new, I yeah. you know I always thought in terms of I want them to get their black belts here and to teach here and to, you know mm-hmm. do all that kind of thing. Well, they don't do it anymore, but. Yeah. Yeah, but I still think about, you know, that next generation thing that I want the next people to be able to uh, walk in the door and have the same uh, experiences that I did and that mm-hmm. people come after me have had uh, of, mm-hmm. of, you know, this community and this special place that something she is
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that could be there for, you know, for people 20 years from now. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's I guess uh what what's the hardest part of like achieving that? What do you think? Like what's the, the biggest challenge to to do that?
2: Yeah. I think
1: um the biggest challenge is balancing change. Mm. And and what I mean by that is uh there's you know things change over time Mm -hmm. you know we we don't do things the same way we did 20 years ago um techniques change schedules change people change yeah um so nothing's ever going to stay exactly the same over time Mm -hmm. uh and that's fine and change can be good and switching things up can be good yeah um at the same time, it, the finding the balance between changing things and understanding that we've been doing this something for 40 years and it's been working pretty well. Mm-hmm. Maybe we don't need to change yeah. that. Yeah. And so it's it's easy to want to like get in there and change a bunch of stuff up. Mm-hmm. Um but uh it's finding that balance. It's finding the things that we can change and improve and make things better while maintaining the the core um, the core things that 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 makes them choose what it is and has always been. right? So things like I'll give you an example. So there's when the dojo is crowded, you know and we're it's a great problem to have. We have a bunch of students. You know, Thursday nights there's forty people in there and we, and people complain that there's not enough room
2: mm-hmm. to work out,
1: right? And I get that. I mean, yeah, it'd be great to have everybody to have twice as much space to, to yeah. potassium and move up and down the floor and all that stuff. And um so it's it's real easy to to entertain ideas like, well, let's divide things up. So on Thursday let's have from six to seven, we'll have white belts and one green stripes and two green stripes. and Then from seven to eight, we'll have green belts. and from eight to nine, we'll have brown stripes, whatever. You know, yeah. split it up into different times so that we can have more rooms that be fewer people in there. And like, well, that seems like that's a pretty good idea. Like, yeah. It would be nice to have just white belts in there to be able to work out and all that kind of stuff would be cool. Yeah. But... Um, but it's the wrong thing to do. Uh,
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) And the reason is because, again, tying back to what happened that first day walking in the dojo
2: Mm.
1: and meeting all those people and, yeah, having class, but then having people higher ranks walk up and introduce themselves and Mm -hmm. getting to know a bunch of people and making a bunch of friends. Well, that happens because we're all together.
2: Yeah.
1: Right? So if you start splitting all the ranks up all the time then all of a sudden that social aspect, that community aspect of the dojo gets diminished significantly. Mm. So yeah, the space might get used better, but are we gonna lose what makes something 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 right? So I'd rather us have to have a few less students and but still have the experience be what it what it is. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, that makes that actually makes perfect sense to me. Mm-hmm. I, I I guess I ne- I haven't really thought about it that way. Like when when did you come to that realization? Is it was it obvious to you in the beginning or was it like did you have to think about it hard to come up to come come to it in a way?
1: Yeah, I don't know when I that particular realization. <laughs> anyway. I just yeah, I just know that there's been times over the years, you know when mm. uh, when we tried different things, and especially at the old dojo, which was smaller, you know, we didn't have as much room, and it yeah. just crowded. And we tried different scheduling things, and you know, some stuff works and some stuff doesn't. And yeah, and but you know, but as head of school, it's you know, kind of my job to go able to look at something and say, you know, what's look at the bigger picture, right? Mm. That that's something that um, I mean, yeah, that's. That's a leader's job is to look at the bigger picture.
2: Right?
1: So um, you know, it's it's the it's the student's job to say it's too crowded in here. That's fine, mm-hmm. good thing. To let somebody know if you think it's too crowded. That's good. It's uh, somebody else, you know, some other black belt's job to say, hey, maybe we could split up the classes like this. Like, cool. That's that's a, that's a job. That's good to come up with that. But it's the leader's job to, to be able to take those different ideas mm. and look at the big picture and understand what the, the impact what the, what the impact exactly yeah. the impact? What are the real pros and cons? what are, what are the long-term effects of making yeah. a decision like this?
0: That's very good because uh, actually I, 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 I've been trying to figure out like, what is the secret to some issues, the, you know the long uh, longevity right in a way, and I think you just hit on. Well, of course, obviously it's the community, but how do you fasten a community? How do you like, maintain a community? Which you just I think you just mentioned is the, the have everybody in the same place at the same time together, even if you know, even if it's crowded sometimes. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah.
1: to me that's a that's an important part of it. It definitely is. Nice, yeah.
2: nice. I think I just secret. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's that's a
1: factor. So, yeah, you know, there's of course. That, there's other yeah. things too, you know. Right? um you know the Part of the reason, and it's, and it, one of the reasons why we have such a great community is, I think, is because of the nonprofit status of the dojo.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because no one owns the dojo because mm-hmm. no one is making money off the dojo. Yeah. Um, it allows us to have more of a community. But it makes it easier to have a, a, a more of a community um, yeah. it makes it easier to for things like what Master Mary said to me that yeah, people are going to step up and, and make sure that things are okay yeah. um, that happens in this kind of a community right? yeah. if, if I owned the dojo and was making money off of it people, other people would be less likely to in and volunteer to do yeah. stuff because they're not getting paid right <laughs> yeah
2: that's right and
1: that, you know that's the truth that's that's human nature and i wouldn't blame them
2: mm-hmm.
1: um but the fact that we're all doing this because we just love doing it mm-hmm. uh, means that everybody is going to lend a hand in the way that they that they want to in the way that they can and that mm-hmm. is what makes it also makes it a very special place yeah
0: yeah Sounds good. Sounds good. And what's last question about this? Like, what's as as a as you talk about like being a leader, being a head of dojo? Like, what is the hardest part for you? Like, as a as a head of dojo, like, as a leader? Like, I I think I from my understanding is that I mean leadership is hard, right? But I just I guess I'm trying to understand like what what's the hardest part for you personally.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the hardest things, and this is something that I've I've worked on from day one that I took over as head of school, and I continue to, um, is to address problems as soon as possible.
2: Mm.
1: Um, sounds like a simple idea, but um, it's. To me, it's been so important in, mm-hmm. in making things run smoothly. Yeah. Um, is is when something comes up, it, it's very easy to, to be uh, conflict averse. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm guilty of that. I'm really <laughs> afraid of conflicts. I try to avoid.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, I, I am too. Nobody wants to, you know, to have that. Nobody wants to have that difficult conversation with somebody,
0: yeah. you know. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, nobody wants to pull their friend aside and say, "Hey, you, you're screwing this up." You know, yeah. you need to do better. Um, nobody wants to. Uh, nobody wants to have to deal with the the, the hard things. Yeah. Um, but um, as you know, as a leader, I think it's important that you. you you deal with those things and you deal with them as soon as you can. The longer you let something fester, the worse it gets.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and so uh, I've tried to take the attitude of uh when when I know that there's a problem of of addressing it as soon as possible and and, and you know, try my best to be fair about it and smart about it, but but not letting things go. Yeah. And and it's it's really hard because every time it's like oh, I don't want to have this conversation. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that.
2: Yeah. And
1: uh, but I know that if I do it, it'll it'll be better in the long run to get it over with. And and the and the other thing that I have found is that um, almost always uh, confronting an issue right away. Um, it always ends up better than I thought it would. Mm-hmm. It always ends up... Uh, the, all the things that I was worried about happening don't
0: happen. Oh, I see. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's really easy for me, and I think for most people to imagine all these terrible scenarios of yeah.
2: what could happen. Like
1: yeah. if you need to have a difficult conversation with somebody. Like, all these ways it can go wrong. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the, what we were talking earlier about having a baby. Like, you imagine all the things... these books, all the things that go wrong with the baby, you know, all all the bad things. But you know, but usually you're surprised and nothing actually goes wrong. Yeah. You know, you sit down and you have a difficult conversation with someone, if you um if you if you do it in a way that's compassionate and understanding um and fair, Mm. then they're they're gonna see that, you know, and, and appreciate where you're coming from. And it'll be okay you mm-hmm. know yeah. and so so that's what i have found is that addressing things yeah. taking on those conflicts yeah never as bad as i'm afraid it's going to be and so just go ahead and do it. <laughs>
0: yeah. um, so personally i think i have this problem because whenever i try to deal maybe a problem talk to someone having to address a problem or conflict someone even though I always when I'm, when i to talk to the person I, I feel like I'm internally like, I'm kind of shaking like even my voice was shaking a little I, I just like cannot say things straight right so mm-hmm. how did you how did you get used to it and how did you just like do you have any tricks tips or did you just just practice
1: <laughs> I mean I, I know what you're talking about because that happens to me I feel the same thing you know I mean that's that's a nervous Reaction to having yeah, yeah. to do something difficult, and I, I definitely have that too. Yeah. You know, yeah. that doesn't go away. I think it's just, um, you know, I think it's being able to talk to people in a real way that matters. And you know, like, again, yeah, all these things kind of cycle back around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I was talking about earlier about talking to my kids, you know, mm-hmm. and, and talking to them like people, you know, having be able to have a real conversation with yeah. people,
2: mm-hmm.
1: especially when something's difficult mm-hmm. and not be a parent, you know, looking down on them. Well, I, the same kind of thing holds true as head of school in the dojo is that, you know, I have to be able to approach those difficult conversations, remembering that you know, these are people who are trying to do their best just like I am, you know, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: um,
1: and have a real conversation and not be head of school, you know, yeah. Yeah. tough guy, me, yeah. you know, kind of thing. But, so I think that's a big part of it that, that when you talk to people and, and, uh, Really communicate with them one on one as if they're as important or more important than you are. Then you can yeah. um, have a successful interaction, even yeah. if it's a difficult one.
0: Does that
2: make sense? Yeah, yeah,
0: it does. Absolutely. I think mean, uh, going back to like uh, addressing the problem as soon as possible would remind me of a quote from a saying from Benjamin Franklin. Uh, he says, "Like uh, small leaks uh, sinks a great ship." So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you want to plug yeah. yeah. the leaks as soon as possible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. that yeah. works. <laughs> yeah. yeah, going back to conflict a little bit, I want to go back to a story where it happened to me in a dojo, uh-huh. which was, uh, of course, uh, you kind of confront me as well. So basically, I think I have been, it's not really a problem. It's more like my personal being lazy. I think like, a few years ago, I haven't been like, showing up to the class or something. And then like have been just being lazy as a person, as a martial <laughs> artist. And yeah. I you you confront me a little of say, hey, shoot, what's going on? What's, like you just say, oh, what's going on? Like, why you haven't been showing up for class, right? So I think he in that moment I feel kind of bad about it for myself, right? And then feel kind of a little tension a little bit, like between you and me. I'm not sure yeah. I, I'm not sure if you remember in that instant, but I but I always like, oh that was uh, that was probably very hard for Sensei Gordon to do to say stuff like that so and um, to basically to confront me right and also uh, also I I need to kind of need to basically work harder as well but I, I it's personally I feel bad but I also feel good at the same time because that way I can I, I know that okay I need to you know get get my get my uh, get myself together
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so
0: I, so, when, so I, I then that's when you when you talk about when you remember when you talk about a like conflict and stuff like that it kind of Remind me of that instant. Yeah, I'm not sure if you remember yeah. what I'm talking
1: about. I think I do. Yeah, kind of vaguely remember. Yeah, yeah remember yeah. that. And it's you know sometimes it's you know so much is and it's one of those things that you know you learn with experience is how to communicate with different yeah. people. You know, like what, like you know, with that interaction, I think it was it was a pretty quick thing. Like you know. Where you been? I haven't seen much of you. Yeah, exactly. Just to just to kind of say, I see you. I see you not coming to class, (laughs) and uh, and just to you know make you think about it, um, as opposed to bringing you in the office and sitting down and saying, "Ooh, what's going on in your life? You know, is there something wrong? Why haven't I seen you very much lately? Or you know, you're not setting a very good example for the lower ranks." Exactly. some people that might be the right thing to do, you know, but so it's reading the situation, you know, and Mm -hmm. finding the right time to say something to people. And, and, you know, such an important, it's sort of contradictory that, um, addressing a problem right away, you know, I was was saying that's important, Mm -hmm. but, um, equally important is patience. Mm. So, um, finding the right time and the right way to have a conversation with somebody is really an invaluable skill Uh um, have. Because, I mean, yeah, obviously sometimes when the place is on fire, you got to put a fire out right away. (laughs)
2: Yeah. But
1: usually there's nothing that can't wait a couple days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And waiting a little bit of time not only lets emotions cool down, but also allows for a better time to find to talk to somebody um, mm-hmm. but you know i mean i i see this in the dojo and it was probably one of those things with that moment with you at the dojo you know was just it was just the right moment to say something
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know yeah. I, I it didn't require me to do a lot of planning It was mm-hmm. just something in my head i was like all right this is a good time to say <laughs> um yeah. but also you know, like you know with with other people, with my family, with my kids, it's the same kind of thing. That um, finding the the right time to have the conversation is a really hard thing to do, and it takes a lot of patience. Uh, mm-hmm. But it pays off, you know. When someone's in the right mood, and and you can sit down and have a, a, an important conversation, it's that's going to that it's more much more likely to go well than if you just decide now is the time to have the conversation and go and Plop out in front of them and say, hey, this is what's going on. Mm. So,
0: yeah.
1: yeah. Do it right away, but patient. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. Kinda. There's a
1: contradiction for that.
0: Yeah. So how, how did you come out? Do you know how to remember how you come to the insight of like patient as well?
1: I, you know, I think I, I came to that mostly through dealing with my kids.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh.
1: But, but, yeah. But, um, and and you know it, it sort of as a parent sometimes you have to manipulate your kids you, know? <laughs> like you, you want to get them to do the right thing you want to get them to do what you want them to do um,
0: so, so parenting that, yeah. yeah parenting is now like leadership training your way.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> in, of, the, of the worst way uh, <laughs> but uh, but you know but finally but I you know it, it just I figured out over time that. Yeah. Um, if I could be patient, you know, if I, you know, if I wanted my kid to clean up his room, you know, more regularly or whatever, I could go, go clean up your room. Mm. And they might do it and do, you know, but then they'd do? be mad at me for yelling at them and I'd feel bad and they'd do a half-hearted job.
2: It. Yeah. But if
1: sometime in the next couple of days we could be sitting around and they could talk, be talking to me about hanging out with their friends and something mm. you know, or wanting to have somebody come over or whatever. And then I can say, be really nice if you cleaned up your room before your friends came over. Right. So it's yeah. not like embarrassing. Right.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, and then they're like, yeah, you're right. But, I mean, so that's an example. Right? Mm-hmm. So same thing. So they'll go clean up their room. So it's, um, it's how you do it and have a little patience to do it at the right time. Okay. The nice, nice. Good advice, yeah. good advice. All
0: right. Last, last few questions. Who most, is the most influential person in your life? Most
1: influential? Hmm. Um, gosh, I don't know. That's a tough one. I, there's not really one person that stands out mm-hmm. uh, as the most influential person in my life. Um I feel Any, like um
0: anybody came to mind
1: but it it's, it's yeah. I feel like in recent years it's been my my kids mm. is, uh, that um you know we talked about as being a black belt, you know, but you learn by teaching right um being a parent, you learn by parenting mm. uh, and so, you know, the, I've learned so much about myself and the world from my kids, and 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 watching them interact with the world, and um, and the perspective that they have as as the next generation about things that are different from the perspective that my generation had about mm-hmm. things. and. Um, so it's it's a huge influence um that I'm I'm really grateful for um that I had I've had the opportunity to yeah to learn from them through them about about a lot of things.
0: Yeah. So are they teaching you a TikTok? <laughs> yeah.
1: No, they ha- I mean you know, they haven't yet. Anna's on TikTok. Alex doesn't like TikTok for whatever reason, really, but you know yeah. but uh yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, you know, things like uh, social justice, you know, and, and 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 how it affects people, and um, I, you know, I've learned so much from talking to my kids about these things that I never would have learned, you know, how uh, LGBTQ rights and um, things like that uh, that they see and they understand. Uh, at a level that they've that it, because of the, the society they've grown up in they understand things at a different level than what I do or what I did or what I grew up with um which i think is natural that that every generation is 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 a little wiser and uh more accepting than the previous one um and i i i, I like i said i'm I'm really thankful that i'm can learn from them and their experience and and, and appreciate the, the the wisdom that they had even at their young age uh, in certain areas that that surpasses
0: yeah. yeah I mean earlier I mean you mentioned patience right I mean you learn it from by parenting learning from them in a way right
1: yeah absolutely yeah, yeah.
0: awesome last question okay. uh if you can put a word or message outside the you know the dojo window for people driving by,
2: what right.
0: would it be?
1: Yeah, I thought about that earlier. Thought yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might ask me that. Yeah. Um, I don't have, you might have already used this word, but the one that just that came has come to my mind just immediately was perseverance.
0: Perseverance. Yeah. Have you has that one been up there? Have you put yeah. that up?
1: No. You know, I just feel like. Uh, that's just what feels right right now um mm. with, you know with the, the state of the world with the you know the pandemic and with the dojo because it's been closed and we all want to get back in the dojo and work out yeah. um and, and be together uh but we just can't yet. and it's really hard not to and it's tough to, to keep waiting and keep making do with you know what we've been doing and dealing with the bad weather and outside and all this stuff. Um, so, yeah, I think perseverance is what we really need right now.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Awesome. There's a, I think that's a great place to end for today. hey uh, <laughs> Okay. This was great. Awesome. Thanks, Sensei.
2: You're welcome, too. You.